The Athletic polled 100 NBA players and asked them, what arena has the worst fans and the Detroit Pistons came in second? Do Detroit Pistons fans have something to improve on? Are they really the second worst fan base in the NBA? We'll talk about that in today's episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. Hit that subscribe button at the YouTube channel if you haven't already. We are on our way to 5,000 subscribers or or 10,000 subscribers. We did pass 5,000 subscribers already. We're now on our road to 10,000 subscribers. Or you can leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Later on in today's episode, we'll be talking about Killian Hayes' season review. And then in the final segment, we'll talk about Isaiah Liver's season review. I believe that will be the fin- final um, season review that we do, and we'll be moving into stuff about the coaching candidates and more draft stuff after this. Um, so stay tuned for that. But first, I, this is something I actually wanted to talk about a lot. I saw a lot of Pistons fans talking about this. This 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 made uh, a lot of a, a lot of waves in the Pistons community. Um, the Athletic polled around 100 NBA players, and they asked them a ton of questions. Um, who they thought was MVP, who would you build around, a coach you'd like to play for, a coach you wouldn't like to play for, who's the most overrated, underrated player in the NBA. Like, they asked them a ton of questions. Um, but the, 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 the one question that actually concerns the Pistons, that, that had a lot of votes concerning the Pistons, was one you probably wouldn't like to see the Pistons associated with. Um, it, they were asked, what arena has the worst fans? And the Pistons came in second. They had 11.1% of the votes. Um, first was the Hornets, third was the Wizards, fourth was the uh, the Jazz, and fifth were the Celtics. So I asked the question, are Detroit fans really the worst? Are Detroit fans really the second worst fan base in the entire NBA? Do Detroit fans need to be better? My answer is this. Well, actually, first, let me say this. One of the reasons one of the players gave was, uh, it's always just empty. It, it looks empty in the in the stadium when we show up. That was one of the players' reasoning. And I do want to push back on that real quick. We've talked about this before in the podcast. The Pistons rank 12th in the NBA in total fans that show up to each game. Again, 12th in the NBA for a team that was not good at all this past time, the worst team in the NBA. That's crazy to say. Um, but then when you go to the percentage of seats filled, they're 24th in the entire NBA. So the reason why the Pistons arena looks quote-unquote empty is because they simply have more seats to fill than almost any other team in the NBA. Some of the teams that have 100% of their seats filled this past season, the Pistons still have more average people show up to their games simply because their stadium allows for more people to show up and, and, and watch. So that's why the Pistons stadium will look empty sometimes because they just, they don't, they're, they're, the amount of seats they have is more than any other team. Despite the fact that people show up, despite the fact they have the 12th most amount of people on average to show up to their games, they still have so many more, um, so many more seats that could be filled because their stadium's just so big. Um, so that's why it, it looks like it's empty. I'm gonna, I push back against that that people don't show up to the games. People do show up to the games. Just when eventually, when the Pistons are good and they start selling out, it's going to be rocking more than any other team, like in the NBA. That's how that's how packed it's going to be. So 
that's my pushback on that reasoning. Do I think that Pistons fans... Do I think Pistons fans are perfect? No, there's a few bad apples in every fan base. So, no, I don't think Pistons fans are, are, are perfect. But I do think that Pistons fans are incredibly loyal. They're incredibly... I really do feel like this fan base is one of the best fan bases in the entire NBA. It, when they put a good product on the floor, I think seats will start to fill. All of the seats will start to fill. They'll be at 100% capacity or damn near close to 100% capacity. I, I think you'll see that. The amount of support that this team gets, even when they're not winning, like you saw this past year, was was pretty crazy, to be honest. Um, and when it, they do start to win, I think it's going to be even better. I, I do think this. The one, the one criticism I have for Pistons fans, there's just one. And no, I don't think that they're the second worst fan base in the NBA. I don't think they're even one of the worst. In the, like, I think this is, that, that's wild that the Pistons got this many votes. And I, I have to assume that all of the players that voted this, I, I'm going, I, we don't know all their comments, but I, I'm going to assume that all of the comments on why they voted for the Pistons will be because it looks empty. I have to assume that because some of the other stuff, I, I don't see many other things to complain about with the Pistons fan base. There is one complaint that I have with the Pistons fan base, maybe two, maybe two, that maybe, actually one of them definitely rubs players the wrong way. Um, this past season, I will say, there were a lot of player encounters with fan base in the sidelines of player of, of some fans just pl- saying some out-of-pocket stuff. We got some videos of some fans, of some of the things they were saying to players, especially the Jamal Murray incident. That's just unacceptable. That, that's embarrassing, to be honest. I, I think that's embarrassing for all of us Pistons fans who aren't like that, who are the majority of the fan base who's really good. Seeing that, especially what was being said to Jamal, that that's that's out of pocket. You can't that that's that can't be happening. And that is embarrassing for the rest of us. Like we don't like seeing that, and that is embarrassing. So that's one, um, that's one complaint. Some fans on the sideline this year, I will say, it, it felt like more so this year than any other year. There were more incidents on the sideline with Pistons fans and players. And that's got to stop. That that that's got to stop. For those few bad apples that be on the sideline trying to paint the whole fan base now as, as, as that kind of toxicity that, that has to stop. That's, that's not cool. I, I don't like that at all. That's, that's, that's gotta stop. So that's one. Um, I know that probably for sure waiting on players, I, the player, if, if any player that dealt with that when they came, they definitely probably voted for the Pistons for that reason, I guess. Um, so that's one area, those few bad apples on the sideline, they got, they got to stop. They, they got to stop that and stop, and stop trying to paint all of us like that. Cause that, that's, that's unacceptable. The second thing, and you guys know I feel strongly about this. I've talked about this on the podcast before. The booing of former players that didn't do anything wrong. That's something I will go the bat for. That's something I really, you guys know how strongly I feel about that. I do not like that at all. I do not like the fact that they boo Reggie Jackson when they come back, when he comes back. I do not like the fact that they boo Blake Griffin when they come back. I, I You guys know how I feel about Blake's season. I really don't like the fact that they boo Blake when he comes back. And the one I hate the most, the one that actually like pure hatred for, I can't stand that Pistons fans boo Andre Drummond. I'm just gonna stay. With, I could do, you know, I could talk about Reddy Jackson and why I don't like his. I think you guys know why I don't like Blake's. I, at some point, Pistons fans have to real those Pistons fans that boo him. You guys gotta realize that he was not dogging it in Detroit. Because if he was, when is he gonna stop dogging it? He hasn't been a good player since then. At some point, you gotta just realize and accept. That his knee just gave out, his knees gave up on him, and it, it wasn't him giving up. He just can't be that player no more because he hasn't been a good player since he injured his knee. It's not like he went to Brooklyn in in Boston. All of a sudden, he's an all star again. He hasn't been a good player since then. At some point, you got to accept that the narrative that you built that he was dogging with the Pistons is, isn't factual. It's false. So I, that I, I don't want to get heated with that. Let me just move on past that. 
Andre Drummond. The booing of Andre when he comes back, that's, I, I hate it. Andre spent eight to nine years with this team, gave it everything he had. Did, was, did he turn out to be the player that everyone probably wanted him to be? Probably not. Did it end the way we wanted it to end? Probably not. We did that, but that doesn't mean that he said anything bad about the city. He repped the city. He absolutely loved this city. He still says great things about the city. He repped the city more than any other Detroit athlete for the Pistons has over the last decade plus. He, did, he gave it his all. He played the majority of every game. Every, he played, look at how many games he played per season. He gave it everything he had. And even when they, were, when they were talking about trading him, he maintained that he did not want to leave Detroit. He wanted to retire as a Piston. He loved the city. And when they did trade him, he was furious that they traded him. He did not want to leave Detroit. He loved this, this city. And Blake Griffin even said it himself when they asked him about him being booed. He said, oh, I'm not shocked. I heard they booed Andre Drummond last night. What did he do besides get traded? And that's 100% true. Pistons fans can't just boo every former player that didn't do anything wrong. Now, if you want to boo players that have rivalries with the team, that talk trash about the city, absolutely, go ahead and boo. But just simply booing former players just because they didn't win a championship with the team or something, all the worst thing that Andre did was get traded. Like that, that I can't. That's that's something I feel very strongly about. And you guys know that. I I I do not like that at all. That's something I I really do not like. And every time Andre gets booed. It, it really frustrates me because he didn't do anything wrong but get traded. He didn't, he didn't demand them to sign him to that contract. Any player takes that contract. Be mad at Stan Van Gunny. Be mad at Tom Gores for that. He took the money. Any of us would take the money. You don't get mad at the player for taking the money. He, play, he, he played as hard as he could. He played as many games as possible for us every year. And he loved the city. And even when they moved him, he did not want to leave. He loved this city. He tried to rep the best he could. There's no reason to boo him. Like, I, that's uh, that's my only complaint. That's my only one. Outside of that, Pistons fans aren't bad. We're really we're a good fan base. And I, I, I have to assume that when they start winning, you won't see them. When, when they start winning, I have to assume you won't see them in, in these in these these rankings for what arena has the worst fans. Like, I, that, that's, that's my only complaint, that, the booing stuff. That's it. Outside of that, and the, some of the stuff on the sideline that I said this past year that was kind of out of pocket with some few bad apples. Outside of that... Pistons fan base is really good, man. Like it, it's, they're a very loyal fan base, and and when you give them a good winning product, it, it they'll go crazy. The city will go crazy. So I don't I don't agree with this ranking, but I guess it is interesting that this many players did feel this way. So I wonder, like, I guess the question I'll ask to you guys is, why do you guys think fan that players feel this way? Some players feel this way, and what do you think if if you do think there's any kind of relevance to what they're saying? What do you think Pistons fans can do to be better? and to give a better representation, I guess, to players. Because whether we agree or not with what the players said, the players are the ones showing up. The players are the ones on the court. And for some, I, they had them second. So why do you guys think that is? Let me know all that in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kukio. Coming up, we'll talk about Killian Hayes' season, give his season review. I know you guys have been waiting for that, uh, waiting to hear how I feel about that. Uh, but first, I've got to tell you guys about some of our sponsors. Also, obviously... We'll talk about Isaiah Livers later. But first, I got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right. The first time around, just add your ride to the My Garage and look for the green check to know that the part will fit or get your money back. 
Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. And after all, it's just easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Again, at ebaymotors.com, you'll get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply at ebaymotors.com. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. Hit that subscribe button of the YouTube channel if you haven't already, or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Um, I do want to make this clear again. Like I, I feel like I made it pretty clear in the first segment, but I just want to make it clear one more time. I think the Pistons fan base is majority really damn good. I think when the team's good, we're one of the best fan bases in the NBA. Like look back at how they looked in the Palace. Like I, 100%, I believe that. And again, I think a lot of the, the voting has to do with these teams at the top of this just aren't very good. Um, when they're better, I think things will change. Um, so I do believe that. I don't want I don't want like to get the wrong get the wrong idea here. I do think the majority of the Pistons fan base is, is really dedicated and they and they are really good fans. Um, but there are there have been a few bad apples this past season um, that maybe are overshadowing shadowing the larger. Uh, what, what's the word? The larger good fans of the of the fan base. I think that may have happened this past season um, because there were some videos that got out multiple times of, of Pistons fans talking, some Pistons fans on the sideline talking a little wild to some players, and that's just not okay. Um, but majority, we're a good fan base, and, and it sucks that some of the bad apples, it looks like, have, have you know, had an impact on some of these players' thoughts on the Pistons fan base. But... This will change once they start winning. Anyways, all right. You guys have been waiting for this for a while, man. I know you guys have. Killian Hayes season review. I don't want this to go. To, I don't want this to go too long. So I'm gonna try to keep it short and sweet here with Killian Hayes. If you guys listened to my Isaiah Stewart season review, I believe it was either last episode or two episodes ago. I said there was another player I felt like had a similar type of season to Isaiah Stewart, and I'll tell you, I will tell you guys later on. Killian Hayes is the player I really do feel like had a similar season to Isaiah Stewart in regards to the inconsistencies, the stretch of games where they played really well, and then the stretch of games where they didn't play very well. And I feel like, this is just my personal thoughts, I feel like because Stu is a lovable fan favorite, the heart and soul Reminds everyone of Ben Wallace, fights people and all that stuff because he's a more lovable character, I guess. They believe in his strong, they believe in his stretch of games because he's a lovable fan favorite. Killian, on the other hand, is a very controversial character for the Pistons because he was the seventh overall pick. And guys just don't like him, they hate him. So they don't, they don't hold his good stretch in high regard. And they think that it's fluke and they don't care about it and they, they think he's trash. Whereas it's the opposite that they do with Isaiah Stewart, which if you listen to the my season review of Isaiah Stewart, you'll see what I'm talking about. Go check that out. I don't want to get that all um, rehashed here. Um, but the good stretch I was talking about, let's go ahead and talk about his season. That that right there is a different conversation somewhat. Um, so his, his 
his season, Killing Hayes, is, is a story of like three different seasons. First 11 games, putrid. One of the worst stretches we've ever seen. 20% from the field was purely trash. Was, there's nothing else to say about it. He was not very good the first 11 games. Then after the first 11 games, for the next 33 games, I believe it is, um, right before the Paris game, for the next 33 games, he shot 43% from the field, 36% from deep on four and a half or 4.2 attempts, 83% from the free throw line, 12.3 points a game on 6.6 assists a game, 1.5 steals, 3.2 rebounds a game as well. Played really well over the next 33 games, was shooting the ball really well from beyond the arc, was shooting the ball really well inside the arc on pull-up jumpers, was playing extremely well during those 33 games, had some of the highest moments of his entire career multiple times during that stretch. Then the Paris game happens. He gets injured, has a shoulder injury during that Chicago game, misses the next game against Milwaukee, and then comes back and follows it up with another bad stretch that lasted 16 games where he shot 30% from the field, 23% from deep, was not playing well at all, and there was some questions. Okay, was that stretch that we had during those 33 games good? Was that a fluke, or was that actually who he was? Those 16 games was tough. The next, it, it was bad. But then he closed the season out on a high note. The following 15 games, he then averaged 14.5 points, 7.5 assists, 3.7 rebounds, 1.5 steals, shooting 40% from the field, drawing more free throws than ever, 3.1 free throws a game, 87% from the free throw line, but still struggled with this three-point shot, shooting 21% during this stretch. So, what's the takeaway from Killian Hayes' season? How do you? It really depends how you want to look at his season. Like I said earlier, Isaiah Stewart, people are going to choose to believe in the first 25 games instead of the final 25 games because they like Stu. Stu's a lovable character. Killian Hayes is not a lovable character in this fan base. So his 33-game stretch, no one cares about that. How he closed the season those, during those 15 games, no one cares about that. They care about the other sample size. What I believe Killian Hayes' season went like is this. I think he was incredibly inconsistent. I think he still has to deal with his consistency very very much so this offseason. I think that was his biggest problem. However, I think we in, in route to the inconsistencies, you saw the highest highs of his career where he was legit a highly impact player at his highs, but then again, some lows where he just wasn't effective at all. Beforehand, it was inconsistencies with no highs. There were no real highs in Killian's season, seasons before this. It was... It was Fine, like at most mediocre play, and then real lows. This year, you got some lows, but some really high highs for some legitimate sample sizes. So what I take away is Killian Hayes has to become more consistent. If he can become more consistent, and he can meet like a medium, even a medium of where he was at his highest highs and the lows, that's a backup point guard for you if he can meet that. If he can get to some of his highs and maintain some of those highs, that's a borderline starting NBA guard. He that's how well he was playing at his highs. So that that's where it is with Killian, I think, at this point. I think that's why you'll see him on the team next year because they picked up his option. They're going to give him the beginning of next season, unless he's traded in a big trade. They're going to give him the beginning of next season to prove which one is he closer to. Is he closer to the highs that we saw? Is he closer to the lows? And can he maintain a level of consistency next season? If he can't, he'll be out of Detroit. They'll move on from him, and we'll see how his career goes. But some of the improvements that he made this past season were legit. His pull-up shooting, his pull-up shooting from mid-range was legit. Let me read you guys some of these numbers. And there are some bad numbers too. Like his true shooting percentage on the season, I think was like of the was probably I think it was the worst true shooting percentage of anyone like on his attempts 
I, I don't know what the exact. I don't know if it was like on ten attempts a game of anyone who took ten attempts a game. I, I don't know what it was, but it's not a good true shooting percent. It was awful. It was bad on the season. There are some bad numbers too, obviously, but his field goal percentage by distance. Let me read you guys these numbers from three to ten feet. He shot 40% this year. Last year, he was at 34%. That's a 6% increase. From 10 to 16 feet, he shot 40% this year. Last year, he was at 38%. That's a 2% increase. From 16 feet to the three-point line last year, he shot 30%. This year, he shot 42%. That's a 12% increase. And all of this is on self-created looks. The amount of uh, field goals assisted on this year, 14% on his two-point attempts. Last year, 40 or was 34%. So 20% less on assisted buckets. All of this is self-created buckets. And he saw increases in percentages and pull-up shooting in every area inside the two-point range. And even even though with the, the up and down of his three-point shot, this is the best he shot from three this season. Now, that's not anything to really care about. He shot 28%. But all the pull-up shooting improvements from inside the two-point arc, especially from 16 to three-point feet, the fact that that was at 42%, that, that is stuff that people use to project whether that will expand out to the three-point line. And the fact that we had a 33-game sample size where he shot 36% from deep along with this stuff, it makes me believe that the three-point shot's going to come around. Like, that, this stuff, along with him being a really good free-throw shooter, that makes me believe that that's going to come, the three-point shot will come around. I, I, that's just my opinion. You may not think it, it's going to come around. That's cool. I can understand why. But how he shot inside the arc, 16 feet at three-point range, how he shot from the free-throw line, how he improved all his pull-up shooting from each area, It, I have to believe that that three-point shot's going to come around. So that, that's where I'm at with Killian Hayes, man. I, I Very inconsistent player this past season. He averaged career highs across the board, though. He was one of the only players to be in the top 20 in steals and assists this past season. He had an improved season. He had some really highs this season. He also had some lows. He was very inconsistent. But in route to the inconsistencies... He had some of the highest highs of his his career. And the highs that he had this year is a legitimate, impactful NBA player. So that's why he'll get a chance to start the next season to prove that he's closer to that player. I believe from what, I, what I've heard and what I've understand, he'll get that chance. They feel higher on him right now than they did last year, as they should. He had some higher highs. And we'll see if he's able to remain consistent. If he isn't able to maintain consistency, if he isn't able to maintain that level of play and he has these low lows still, he'll be off the Pistons. And we'll see where his career goes from there. But that's how I feel about Killian Hayes' season this past year. Also, I have to say this. The final 15 games of the season, it's it's that, that stretch of games, if he was hitting at least 30% of his threes, people would be looking at this stretch as an insane stretch. He was playing so well, drawing free throws, getting to the basket more than we've ever seen him. Finishing at the basket better than we've ever seen him over these 15 games. He just couldn't hit threes. He shot 40% from the field while shooting 20% from from deep on 3.8 attempts. If that goes up to 30%, he's shooting around like 43% from the field. He's probably averaging like 16 points a game. Like an every and his true shoot, his efficiency overall efficiency would be so much better. The three point shot was really weighing down his final 15 games, but every other area. He improved so much in. He was showing improvement in. But yeah, you guys know. I'm, I'm high in Killian Hayes. I could be... Hey, I could be standing. But I think the numbers I brought backs up the fact that he did have improvements this past season. Um, it is what it is. I, I ranted way longer than I wanted to. I told you guys I wanted to keep it short and sweet. But 
That's why I saved his review for the, for the last reviews I, I would do. Because I knew that I was going to end up ranting, and it was no way I was going to be able to keep it short. And I, I just really didn't want to do this. I didn't want to do his season review. Because I know how the comment section is about to be. I know how you guys are about to be in my DMs. I know how you guys are about to be tweeting at me. So, whatever. I'll, I'll leave it at that. What do you guys think? I, oh my, I don't even want to ask this question. But how did you guys feel about killing Hayes' season? Let me know in the comment section down below. Or over on Twitter, at Hill. Coming up, let's talk about Isaiah Livers' season review. How well do you think he played? Do you guys think he met expectations? We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, you guys got to hear from some of our sponsors. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Um, all right, let's get into Isaiah Livers' season review here. And this is an interesting one. This really is an interesting one. You guys know before the season I was very high on Isaiah Livers. I am still very high on Isaiah Livers. But he did not meet the ex- – I don't feel like he met the expectations this season that many may have had laid out for him. He shot 36% from deep this year on 3.9 attempts, which isn't bad. That's not bad. But it's definitely not what people were expecting. And people were, we were expecting him to be closer to 40% this season from deep. He was 42% last year, his rookie season, but he only played 19 games. We were expecting him to be closer to 40% on higher volume. He wasn't that. Um, he got injured and, and was only able to play 52 games this year. Again, he continues to deal with some nagging injuries um, that keeps him out some games. So that's another concern too. But this is my, this, this is my biggest hesitation right now. With Isaiah Livers, based off what I saw from him this season moving forward. And I want to say this one more time before I say this. I am still very high on Isaiah Livers. I believe his defense and three-point shooting is incredibly viable. I think he's one of the he could be a really good three and D wing. And I think the Pistons desperately need that. I think he can fill that. However, that last point I just made is now causing me to reevaluate how I feel about Isaiah Livers a little bit. I'm interested to see how next season goes. I'm, I'm willing to change my opinion because I remember how we all feel about Marvin Bagley after they acquired him after the trade deadline. Follow me here. If you follow me here, you'll get where I'm going. I remember how the Pistons, how we all felt when they acquired Marvin Bagley because the Pistons so desperately were lacking a rim pressure big man, someone who provided a lob threat, Someone who could finish around the basket and provided gravity rolling to the rim. We all remember how bad it was before Bagley showed up. And the fact that it was such a glaring weakness that when Bagley showed up, after that season, everyone loved Bagley. Everyone loved Bagley. It was like, oh my God, he's amazing. Is exactly what we need. Blah, 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 blah. And if you guys remember in that offseason, I recorded multiple podcasts. And I was even higher than Bagley at that point. I, I was really, I, I was higher, I should say, at that point. On Bagley. But I even then, I recorded. And I said, is there a chance that we're overvaluing Bagley as a player? We're actually overrating Bagley the player because of how much of a glaring weakness that the Pistons had that he provided. So, like, what basically what I'm saying is the Pistons were so desperately lacking that rim pressure big that once they got him, 
that he that made such a big difference that caused everyone to overvalue the guy as a player himself because simply seeing got someone provide what they were missing made such a big difference people thought he was such an amazing player and i feel like the fan base has now soured him badly we see some of his weaknesses and obviously and i don't think anyone's is as high on bagley now because we see him more as the player you know him as a player instead of just the the rim pressure guy if you get what i'm saying that's causing me to to think the same way about isaiah livers or not i don't think the same way yet about isaiah livers but it's a thought that's popped up in my head i'm willing to to entertain it am i am i higher on isaiah what he isaiah livers brings to the team his team defense his outside shooting his overall uh, IQ on the defensive end, his willing to talk to defenders on the on the defensive side, help communication, all that stuff. Am I overvaluing how good he actually is at that stuff because of how glaring of a weakness it is from everybody else in the roster? Am I, is that what I'm doing? Before this season, I said I would say no. I would say I think Isaiah Livers is really damn good at that stuff, and he actually is legit. After this season, I still feel like he's legit in those areas. But I'm 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 willing to entertain the conversation that maybe the Pistons fan base maybe we are overvaluing Isaiah Livers the player because he provides stuff that no one else on the team provides. So like if the Pistons had other players that were also fine defenders on the wing that could shoot around 35 36% from deep would we think Livers is the player that we think he is now like the ones who are high on Livers would we still be this high on Livers if there also were other players on the team that were able to do what he does, would he be looked at as valuable? I'm not sure right now. I'm not sure. So, I don't think Isaiah Livers met expectations. I do think that he has a place on this team moving forward. Though, this season has caused me to pause and think about, okay, am I overvaluing Livers? Because he didn't meet what I expected him to do this year. Am I overvaluing him as a player simply because the Pistons lack what he brings? So, it's something that I'm, I'm, I've been thinking about. I'm not sure. Not sure yet. Um, and we'll see. I- I'm really interested to see him next season. How they use him next season. With this new coaching staff. That's another thing. Before we wrap up. I do think Isaiah Livers is a, is a guy that with a better offensive system. The type of player he is. A guy with a better offensive system. And, and, and some structure to the offense. He, he exceeds in that. Players like Isaiah Livers who are 3 and D guys. That just catch and shoot. Make connective passes or whatever. They don't vibe well in a freelance, hey, go do, go get yours, that kind of offense. Because that's not the type of player they are. Now, if you put them in a structured offense where, you know, it's all about, you know, making create, uh, advantages, like your best players making advantages for others and having guys that can connect the plays, Isaiah Livers, players like Isaiah Livers would thrive. So I'm interested to see how he looks with this new coaching staff or whoever they go with. Um, but yeah, like I said, it, it, is a, it is a conversation I'm having after this season I saw from Livers because he didn't meet the expectations many had for him. I, I am willing to have the, the conversation that are we overvaluing him a bit because of what he brings being something that every other player on the team lacks. Um, so let me know what you guys think. Do you guys agree with me? Do you guys think I have a point there? Do you guys disagree with me? Do you guys think I'm just speaking out the side of my neck? Let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuku Hill. That's all I've got for you guys today. Um, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. Free and available on all your podcast platforms. Leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. Hit that subscribe button at the YouTube channel. And until next time, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe. Enjoy these playoffs. Until next time, peace out.